Well, it's uh, middle of August in Sarasota. I think school starts on Monday. Yes, everybody's very excited. They all have new notebooks they're very excited about using. Remember the Trapper Keeper when you were a kid? That was great. Um, I'm Joe Davis. I'm the lead teaching pastor here in the garden. Just a couple of things to remind you. Um, next week is going to be student ministry uh, here at Church of the Palms is going to be leading the service. That's the 24th. On August 31st, uh, Les McCurdy is going to be emceeing like a, a panel up here with me, Bruce, and Megan to discuss questions about the sermons or things like that that we've covered over the last few months. Uh, you can email questions to me starting this week at mobilepreacher at gmail.com. We'll have some questions through email and have some questions from the audience. We're not going to entertain questions about the General Assembly stuff. That'll be done at, a, at the next week, I think, at a uh, town hall meeting here at the church for that. So we're going to keep this focus on the scriptures, on what we've taught. Uh, it can be from the life of David. It can be from the book of James. It can be from Philippians. Or it can be other questions about the scripture, you know, that you might have in general. So, but that's kind of going to be fun. It'll be kind of a prolonged thing. We're going to have a little bit less music that week. And the panel will be a little bit longer. The week after that, we start our new series. It's going to be the church-wide series on the lectionary uh, series on Matthew. So I'm very excited about that. That'll be a good opportunity for the church to come together um, in the same teaching in that area. This week, though, is the last one in our series on the book of Philippians. And just by way of review, we've had 10 messages on the book of Philippians. And uh, the first one was teaching you how to love in truth acknowledging the power of the gospel in others you can love someone by acknowledging the fact that they know christ and you can affirm that they have faith i mean that's one way that you can love another way we talked about is loving through suffering our suffering can often be a gift to others by the way they see how god works in our lives it can bring us closer together so you can love through truth you can love through suffering we talked about this in ephesians chapter or philippians chapter one and two and we talked about loving through humility. And I tried to make sure you understood how important it is that you don't suffer from what we call depravity amnesia. Don't forget about your depravity when you're looking at other people. So loving people through humility, thinking of others as better than yourself. And then Megan talked for a couple of weeks about serious conversations, loving through serious conversations. Sometimes we have to have them. And she outlined how, the, how they're supposed to take place and, and the example that Paul showed and um, that was a lot of good stuff there. And then the next week we talked about loving through accountability. And I tried to give you a new term that you to think about affectionate accountability. I wanted to make sure you understood that accountability is not the same as discipline. Accountability actually heads off discipline. So we've talked about how you could love through accountability. And Paul showed that to the Philippians. Then in week seven we talked about loving through animal control. In that concept, Paul was calling out the dogs who were preaching a false gospel. Beware of dogs, beware of evildoers, he says. And so one of the ways that we, as shepherds, can love you is through animal control and calling out those who are preaching a gospel that will not give you salvation, that will not give you life, that will not connect you to Heavenly Dad. Then we talked about loving through confidence. And I gave you a new phrase that I want you to think about, humble confidence. Because Christ takes your unrighteousness and he inserts in your life his righteousness. So there you can have confidence, not because of who you are, but because of what Christ 
did. And we can love one another, we can love each other, knowing that in humility we have this confidence that he who began a good work in you will complete it. And then we talked about loving through endurance. And I wanted to make sure you guys understood that our faith is more durable than any of us can imagine. Last week we talked about loving through exhortation, and I explained to you what the Greek word meant. It meant to be close parakaleo, to be close beside and call out in encouragement. And I tried to explain that for us to have a church of exhorters, we have to be close to one another. We have to be connected. If we're not, all we do is yell and scream because we're far away. But when you're close beside, and I gave examples of some people who have been exhortations and encouragement to me throughout the years. Matter of fact, I had lunch with one of them on Friday. I drove up to my old school in Clearwater and had uh, lunch with my Greek professor, Dr. Bob Carver. And he's 70, he's still teaching, he looks great, he's an awesome man, had a great time reconnecting with him. I went up there specifically to encourage him about all the things that he had taught me. Which brings us to this week, with love from prison, this is the last one in the series, and we're going to be talking about loving through gratitude. Let's get right into it. <clears throat> I rejoice in the Lord greatly now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, <coughs> I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help, sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God the Father be glory forever and ever. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's an amazing passage. And we learn a lot about gratitude in reading this. So some of the things that we learn about gratitude, there are different types of opportunities to love through gratitude. The first one is we can love people for their intentions. Sometimes people have an intention to bless us, but aren't able to. And Paul says, at one point you had the desire to help me and you couldn't. You had no opportunity. I'm grateful for that. <clears throat> he does that, right? He says, I knew you wanted to bless me, Circumstances did not allow it. And this is important. Because sometimes people really want to do something to bless you and opportunity is not there. It's important for gratitude. If we have spirits and hearts of gratitude, and I'm going to explain how important this is later, that we can be thankful for people's intentions. Sometimes they can't follow through, but the thought is there. The thought that counts. Doesn't that sound like you know a Hallmark commercial? We can be showing gratitude under any circumstances we might face. Verses 11 and 13. He says that. 
I'm not speaking of being in need. I have everything I need right now, and I've learned in both, uh, both circumstances, when I have more than I need and when I have nothing, I am content. See, gratitude doesn't have to be expressed only when your needs are met. Sometimes it's not about your needs, but you receive a blessing from someone anyway. Gratitude can be present when you're suffering, not just when you're blessed or relieved from suffering. Paul was in prison facing death, remember? And it brings us to Philippians 4.13, which might be one of the most misapplied passages in Scripture. People, you know, I see football players with it, and I love the players that do it because I know they love Jesus, and I see soccer players. Well, I don't soccer players. They don't believe in God, so I don't think... It's just a joke, people. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Soccer's fine. All right. <clears throat> but, you know, a lot of people look at this passage of Philippians 4.13. I can accomplish anything through Jesus who strengthens me. And we talked about this a little bit last week. That's not necessarily biblical. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What that passage really means when you look at it in context it's in the context of being grateful and being content in any situation that you are. That's the context of Philippians 4.13. So Paul's secret in being content in all situations is this. Do everything through Jesus, and you can be content in everything. It's not about your accomplishments. It's about how you do anything and everything. Everything and, every, everything and anything you do should be done through Christ. So it's not a passage you use for motivation to say, you know what, that team is five times better than you, but through Christ you can do anything. No, they're probably still going to kill you. <laughs> but the things that you do, you do them all through Christ. Not just a big game. And so that's kind of a misapplied passage. And if you look at the context of gratitude that's all through Philippians chapter 4 and the second half, clearly that passage is talking about contentment, in any circumstances, you can do all things. I've had a lot, I've had a little. I've had abundance, I've had hunger. And in all those situations, I was able to do everything I was supposed to do, everything that God called me to do, I was able to do through Christ who strengthened me. And so then, we look at the next part of how and when to love through gratitude. By remembering, or by receiving, this is important. By receiving, it says this. In verse 17 and 18, he talks about this. He says, I took your gift, even though I didn't need it. I took it so that you would have blessing. Because when someone gives, it's not always because you might have a need. Sometimes it might be because they want to be a blessing or because God has led them to give. So this is something I find often in the church. Why are we so embarrassed to receive a gift? Oh, no, 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 I can't take that. Paul didn't say that. And what are the motivations for why we would not receive a gift or receive something? Isn't, to me, that is the height of ingratitude when somebody offers you something, no, I can't take it. You know what's kind of funny is watching people fight over the bill at meals. I don't fight anymore. I'm receiving this lunch to your account that God may bless you in buying my food. That's what Paul says. Paul says, I didn't have need, but I took it so it would be credited to your account. 
for glory. I mean, what is the motivation for turning down a gift? Is it fear of obligation? Is it embarrassment? I mean, aren't those kind of self-centered emotions that when you give in to them, listen to this, you rob the giver of blessings? What if Paul had said, listen, I got your gift from Epaphroditus, but I have everything I need right now. I'm sending it back. How would that have made the Philippians feel? With the exception of sometimes a gift maybe being inappropriate, and I know that that can happen sometimes, who are you to ever turn one down? Why are we always so ready to not receive? Why do we always feel like we have to be on the giving end? Because that is the opposite of humility. It actually is arrogance and selfishness. And it's you robbing someone else of the blessing of giving. So we can be gracious and have gratitude by receiving. We can have it by remembering the past. Those got a little bit out of order in the outline, but I'm going to hit this one. Human nature tends to justify bitterness by remembering past mistakes, doesn't it? But Paul's example in verse 14 to 16, he remembers the Philippians saying, you remember there was a time when only you were helping me in the gospel. Then other people joined, but you were kind of the beginning. And Paul is showing gratitude not only for their current gift, not only for the intentions they might have had in the past when they couldn't give, but he's also showing gratitude for what they've done in the past. Bitterness holds on to past mistakes. Gratitude holds on to past blessings. You see the difference? Bitterness is the opposite of gratitude in many respects. So if you have a long memory for people's mistakes, you don't have much gratitude in your life. And we'll explain why that's a danger in a moment. The next thing we can do is we can show gratitude toward God. In verse 19 and 20, Paul says, look, we recognize that all these gifts, they're not just from you, they're from God the Father. He says it in verse 19 and 20, I'll just read it real quick. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God the Father be glory forever and ever. So when you receive a gift, you're not just receiving it from a person, you're receiving it from God through that person. Who are you to turn it down? Would any of us turn down a gift from God? That's what grace was. See, this is an important thing to understand. There's another aspect to this that I want to make sure that you hear. Because all these things about giving for, you know, being gratitude, uh, have showing gratitude for intentions, showing gratitude under any circumstances you might be in, showing gratitude by actually receiving a gift and not denying it, showing gratitude by remembering the past where people have blessed you, showing gratitude by the fact that God is the one that orchestrates these gifts. All that stuff is true. But why do we do it? For the main reason here is to foster Affection. Let me read verse 21 and 23 uh, to you real quick. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is another example of what we've seen in the book of Philippians. There was this camaraderie, there was this closeness that Paul had with this church. It was amazingly tight. The bond was strong, the bond was emotional, the bond was deep, 
And one of the reasons was is because they had so much gratitude for one another. And I do believe that gratitude was the foundation. The, you know, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, gratitude was the foundation. And I'm going to show you here in just a minute because we're going to do another little Greek word study this morning. When someone loved... Let me... I guess the best way before I do that, let me, let me explain it this way. When, when I express gratitude to people... It's such an encourage. I see it. Their, their eyes light up. And when somebody expresses gratitude to me, it makes my heart soar. You know, Pastor Joe, thank you for this when you did that. And it just, it just makes me. And when I say to somebody, like when I talked to Bob this week, Bob Carver, my professor at lunch, for like 10 minutes, says, I have some things I want to say. You just eat your salad while I'm talking. And I started naming some of the lessons that he taught me 20 years ago that I still know about the Greek, about the New Testament, about the time he sat down with me at lunch. And I just said, I just want you to know how much I appreciate the huge impact you've had on my life and my ministry. There are many adults and students who have no idea who you are, but they have been impacted by your impact on me. I just want you to know it's been rippling through the last two decades, all the impact you've had on me. And I was giving him this encouragement, and I could see he started tearing up a little bit. And he says, Joe, that's why I've been doing what I've been doing for all these years. I love to hear stuff like that. So when I express gratitude, I can see it encourages people. When people express gratitude to me, my heart soars with confidence. And there's this affection that develops between the two people that are experiencing this exchange of gratitude, right? And so gratitude as a church-wide core value generates intimacy. It generates closeness necessary for growth and effectiveness. So what is the key to having gratitude? Let's watch, let's look at a couple things. Okay, there's the Greek word for thanks, right? You see that? Eucharista is the transliteration, and there's the word, eucharistia, okay? That's the Greek word. It means thankfulness, gratitude, giving of thanks, and thanksgiving. This right here, this EU, it looks like a U, epsilon right there, see that? That means good. And then here's this middle word. What is that middle word? How do we get thankfulness out of that. This is fascinating. Do you guys notice anything about the word for grace? What do you notice about the word for grace? Does it look very similar? Look at this. The Greek word for grace is charis. See that? See that? Grace as a gift or blessing brought to man by Jesus Christ. Another definition would be favor, undeserved favor. Gratitude, thanks, a favor, kindness. The very concept of being thankful, the very concept of having gratitude is grounded in grace. 